And we've been reading through the book of Jonah from the perspective of callings, the callings of the Lord on our lives. And for those who may not have been here, if you remember in Jonah chapter one, the Bible says that the wickedness of Nineveh and their evil deeds had finally reached an overflow point, a point to where God had had enough. And he was going to bring judgment on that city and destroy them. But before he did, the Bible says that he sent his prophet Jonah to go and declare unto them about their wicked deeds, to go and cry out to them, to go and warn them. How many of you know that we have a God who generally warns us before he brings judgment to us? Is anybody glad about that? I can promise you that before God has ever judged you, he's probably sent you several warnings before he ever sent it to you. And so Jonah was called to go and tell or warn Nineveh about what was coming. This calling was his assignment. It was his task. It was his, his mission. It was a request from God. We've been talking about a calling is not necessarily just a position. It's not just a role. Most of the time when we think about a calling, we're thinking about a pastor or something like that. But a calling in, in a much broader sense is anything that God tells you to do. It's, it's a request or an assignment or a task that God gives to us. And we talked about that if you have been saved and you are in the body of Christ, that everybody has been called to do something. You don't get saved and join the body of Christ and you don't have anything to do. I was so excited this past week when I saw so many of you accepting the call of God to just do what he told you to do. And so many people were blessed. If you are in the body, God has an assignment, a calling, a task of something that he wants you to do. How many people go to, go to a job or you have a job to where you don't have anything to do? I didn't say that you didn't go to your job and don't do anything. I'm saying how many of you have a job that, that they don't require you to do anything? Most of us don't have that. How many of you have joined an organization or a club or a sorority or fraternity and they don't require you to do anything? In anything that you join, they're going to have you pay some dues. You need to come to some meetings. You need to do something. And so it is with the body of Christ. If you are in the body of Christ, you have an assignment. God is calling you to do something. What he called Jonah to do was to go to Nineveh and declare to them about their sin. And, and the Bible tells us that Jonah heard what God assigned him to do. And when he heard it, he just didn't want to do it. And he decided to run. How many you know that Jonah is not unique within himself? I've said this many times. Sometimes we sit here in the Bible and we point about all the flaws of the individuals. But everybody in here has heard the voice of God tell you to do something at some point, And you flat out decided that you just didn't want to do it. God said, wake up and go to small group. Oh, no, I, I can't go to small group this week, Lord. There's some other things that I want to do. God said, wake up and read your Bible. And we all hear the voice of God. But sometimes we make up in our mind that it's just something that we just don't want to do. Jonah heard what God told him to do, to go preach, and he decides that he doesn't want to do it. So he runs from God, and the Bible says that God ends up sending a storm after him. And the storm was to punish him or to correct him and then get him back on the right track. The Bible says that when the storm didn't work, that God had the mariners, I'm just doing a review, that God had the mariners or the sailors that was on the boat to get Jonah and throw him off the ship into the sea, hoping that the sea would correct him. When the sea wasn't enough, the Bible says that God had a fish to come and swallow him. 
When the fish didn't work, God had them to stay in the well. And then we ended up in chapter 1, it says that Jonah was in the belly of a fish. In chapter 2, the Bible says that after three days, look at your David say three days. It took three days in the belly of a fish, a large fish, that after three days in that fish that Jonah finally reached his breaking point. He finally got to the point where he was ready to make a change. And we talked about that every one of us has that breaking point. Your breaking point may be here. My breaking point may be here. But all of us has some point to where it takes us to get to before we recognize that we need to do something different. For Jonah, it took the belly of a whale to get him in there before he recognized that he needed to change. And the Bible tells us that what made Jonah change was something very simple. He says that he changed because of his affliction. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 2, it says that when he was in the belly of the whale, that he cried out in my affliction. In other words, it was his pain. It was his suffering. It was because he was in a tight spot. And we, we talked about that some people will never change until some affliction comes on them. Some of us will never change until something hits your body and then you recognize that maybe you got to get some anger out of you. Some of us will never change until you get in a tight spot, until you're broke, until you're in a space that you can't get out of. And for Jonah, it was the belly of the well experience. And the Bible says that after he had been in there three days, it says that Jonah finally recognized. And when he recognized, he repented in this nasty, dirty fish. And when he repented, the Bible says that God heard his prayer and that he spoke to the fish and that the fish went and caused Jonah to be vomited up on dry ground. Do y'all remember? That teaches us that no matter what your situation is or how bad your storm is, that all God has to do is say a word and something can change instantaneously. As we entered into chapter 3, the Bible says that Jonah came out of the fish and he finally went and did what God told him to do. In verse 1, it says that God told him to go and preach to Nineveh what he, was told, what he told them to go preach. And if you remember last week, we looked at what did God actually tell Jonah to go do. And for, in chapter 3, verse 4, Jonah went to Nineveh and all God told him to do was go there and say eight words. Do you remember what it was? Uh, yet 40 days and then Nineveh is going to fall. Do you all remember? So Jonah went through all the mess that he went through. He went through all the storms that he went through simply to avoid going to do something that God simply told him to do was go in there and say eight words. And we talked about that when God gives you an assignment or a calling, don't make it complicated. Just do what God tells you to do. If he tells you to greet people as they come in, don't talk about all the other stuff that goes along with it. Just do what God tells you to do. And the Bible says that when Jonah did what God told him to do, that miracles happened. Do you remember? The Bible says when Jonah went in, that the entire city, the greatest revival in known mankind occurred. It says that the entire city repented, that they all turned from their wicked ways and they all decided to go after God. They all fasted in the city from the head to the bottom. Everybody, a greatest revival in all of known mankind happened because one man decided to just do what God told him to do. And at the end of Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, the Bible says that God, instead of judging the city, after he saw the people and after he saw that they repented and after he saw that they were turning from their wicked ways, that God relented from his judgment. In other words, he was going to he was going to destroy the city. But when he saw the change in the people that he backed off and he decided not to put on them the judgment that they deserved. 
as we end chapter 3, everything is looking good. I mean, a revival has broken out. Everything is good. All these people have gotten saved. Judgment is no longer come. You would think that everybody is happy. You would think that as, as a Disney story, as the, as the curtain is closing, you know, the thing says that we live heavily after, everly, heavily ever after. That's what everything is looking like. Everybody has gotten saved. Everything is going good. Destruction has not come. You would think that everybody would be happy. But then when you get to Jonah chapter 4 verse 1, instead of the prophet of God being happy, the Bible says instead of him being rejoiceful, that he's angry. Look then Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. It says that Jonah was displeased exceedingly. And he was very angry. He was furious. That word anger, that means he was furious. He was upset. His, his nostrils was glaring. He had righteous indignation. He was upset. Why would a man of God be upset after everything that just occurred? Well, you got to notice what it says. It says, but when this happened, something happened that made him very displeased. What was that? You have to go back to chapter 3 where God relented from judging the people. That's why he's angry. He's angry because instead of God bringing the judgment on the city of Nineveh, he relented from giving them the judgment. Now the question becomes, why would a prophet or a preacher be mad because people didn't get saved? I mean, why would a man of God not want to see other people get saved? But you have to remember, Jonah wanted these people to be destroyed. If you recall from us and if you've been joining with us, Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. He wanted them to be destroyed. In fact, when you look at verse 2, this was the reason why he ran from God in the first place. Look there in verse 2. He says, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? So in other words, him and God had previously had a conversation that wasn't referenced in chapter 1, but they had already talked about this. He says, therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. Why, Jonah? Why? He says, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who what? Relents from doing harm. The question becomes, well, why would Jonah want the people to be harmed? You have to remember again, he hated them. Do you remember why he hated the people of Nineveh? He hated them because Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria, right? And Assyria was the arch enemy of Israel. It was like if you live in south central LA, it was the Crips and the Bloods. I mean, they were rival gangs. They hated each other. They were from rival nations. They were in, in war. They hated each other. And so everybody wants their enemy to be attacked, right? You don't want your enemy to survive. So Jonah hated them because they were the enemies of Israel. They were a rival nation. The Bible tells us that he also hated them because they were wicked, they were vile, wicked, wretched people. The Bible says the prophet in Nahum chapter 3 says that Nineveh was full of sorcery and witchcraft, that they laid bodies all out in the street, and it was a very wicked place. And Jonah looked at these people with disdain. He thought that they were nasty people. They were heathen people. I mean, he was a Jew, and he was fine with God giving him grace. 
He was fine with God uh, forgiving the, the Israelites, but he had no love, no sympathy for the people in, in Nineveh. He wanted them to be destroyed. And the truth of the matter is, he, Jonah ain't by himself. Would you agree? There's some of us in here who are just like Jonah as well. You, you want your enemies to be destroyed as well, right? You, you got some people that you're hoping that God deal with as well. You got some people that has offended you and you wishing and hoping and praying the, 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 the scripture in Romans to where it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And you've been praying to God that you want God to go and get them and destroy them. Don't just look at Jonah like he crazy. See, it's amazing. Boy, when we get in the church, everybody gets so holy and you want to look at him like he's so bad. When some of y'all been praying yourself that God would deal with some folk and you would put some on some folk and, and that God would chastise them. This is how Jonah felt. And the Bible says that, that he was upset with them because that was his normal response. I mean, you know that when people offend us, that's our normal response. We want God to get them. But how many of y'all are thankful that we serve a God who don't deal with people the way how we like to deal with them? See, we serve a God who don't respond like we do. He says, he says that God is different, that God is gracious and merciful. Somebody ought to be happy that God is gracious and merciful. Do you know that if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God, nobody in here would be in here? If it weren't for the grace and mercy of God, you should have been dead and out of your mind, not in your right mind this morning. You should have been dead in that relationship that you was in, that car accident you was in should have took you out a long time ago with all the people you used to be messing with. You should have a disease, some sexually transmitted disease before you got saved and holified and everything. Come on, somebody. If it weren't for the grace and mercy of God, none of us shouldn't be in here right now. But God is always blessing us with stuff that we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us the punishment that we deserve. Grace is God giving us or blessing us with that which we don't deserve. And God is always blessing us. See, mercy, see, see the Bible says the moment that you and I sin, we should die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Every time that we sin, we should die. But the mercy of God says, no, I don't want you to receive the punishment that you deserve. So I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And he's going to take the punishment that you're supposed to receive. Listen, but that wasn't good enough for God. Oh, I wish somebody understood something about grace and mercy. Because if that's all God did was take us, take from us the punishment that we deserve, that would be enough. But not only did God take away our punishment, the Bible says that he gave us something called grace. In other words, if God would have just taken our punishment, I would have been happy to just be a bellboy in heaven. I just would have been happy to be a gardener in heaven. But the Bible says not only did God take away the punishment that we deserve, but he also allowed us to have eternal life. Come on, somebody. That he also granted us the opportunity to become sons of God. Come on, somebody. That's grace. That's not something that you deserve. You can't earn to be a son of God. That's something that God just chose to give to us. Come on. He says, not only did he take the punishment we deserve, but he gave us grace. We became sons of God. He says that he gave us all eternal blessings in heaven. Every eternal blessing there is. God gave to us in his grace and in his mercy. 
Listen, he says, not only is God gracious and he's merciful, but that he's slow to anger. Anybody see that? How many glad that God is slow to anger? Man, I tell you what, when I think about how I deal with my children and sometimes how they get on my nerves, I thank God that God is not like some of us. Most of us would have been dead a long time ago. I think of them little nets. You ever been outside and you got a little net that be bothering you all the time and you get married and you, and you, you smack them? How many times do you think God wanted to smack some of us sometimes when we do foolishness over and over and over and over again? But the Bible says that he's slow to anger. Instead of being quick to destroy us, he's slow. It says that he's great in kindness. He's naturally kind. Some of you may be thinking that God is just waiting to smack you, but that's, that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. He's gracious in that he relents from the punishment that he's going to give to us. So the Bible says that Jonah hears this, and even though he hears this, Jonah is not satisfied. He still wants the people of Nineveh to be judged. He wants God to destroy them. They are his enemies. He has no lack for them, no mercy for them at all. And in fact, when Jonah hears that God is not going to destroy them, he does something that a prophet of God should never do. He throws a temper tantrum. Y'all know what a temper tantrum is? You ever been in the store? And you've seen the child in the middle of the aisle when they don't get their way. They fall all on the ground. Ah! Why are they doing that? Because he wants to get his way. And when he doesn't get the way, he starts to act a fool. Watch this. When you look at Jonah in chapter 3, when you look, look at verse 3, it says that when Jonah didn't get his way, he said, well, God, if you're not going to give, give me my way, just go ahead and take my life. I don't want to live no more. I just go ahead and just kill me now, God. If you're going to let them live, it's either me or them. If you're not going to take them, then just go ahead and kill me now, God. Come on, somebody. See, and the problem is we have temper tantrums in church, too. Jonah ain't by himself. You keep hearing me say this all the time. You look at people in the Bible, they ain't by themselves. People in the church throw temper tantrums all the time. If you don't give me what I want, then I'm not going to do it. If you don't run the meeting the way how I want the meeting, then I ain't serving no more. If you don't paint the, the walls in the church the color that I want, well, I ain't giving. Come on, somebody. If you don't sing the songs that I want to hear on Sunday, well, I ain't clapping for the amen that went down. We all throw temper tantrums. Watch this. He throws a temper tantrum with God. That God, if you're not going to do what I want you to do, then just go ahead and take my life. Watch this. I want you to notice what God's response to him is. Look there in verse 4. He says, doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? Is it, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah, at this? Is it right for you to be angry that I have relented my judgment from the people of Nineveh? Uh, you out of all people, Jonah. Do, do you have the right to be angry that I decided to give grace to somebody else? Didn't I just chase you halfway across the sea because you was rebelling against me? 
Uh, didn't I just have to put you in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights because you wouldn't listen to me? And now you got this attitude that you won't want me to give grace to somebody else? Watch this. But Jonah wasn't hearing that, looking. And if you look there in verse 5, it says that Jonah goes out of the city to see what was going to happen. Do you see that there? It says that he goes out of the city and he builds himself a hut. He builds himself a hut so that he can see what's going to happen to the city. Do you see what's going on here? See, Jonah is hoping that the Ninevites will still do something, that they'll mess up, that they'll do something to where God is still going to destroy the city, or either because he thinks his temper tantrum is going to work with God, that somehow God is going to choose him over them. But see, God has to teach Jonah a lesson. So I want you to see what happens there in verse 6. Notice what it says. See, Jonah has a problem. He doesn't understand what his problem is. Watch what it is. It says, and God, what? He prepared a gourd. Notice what happened. It didn't just happen. The gourd didn't just come. God prepared it for him. He, he orchestrated. He created. He constructed this thing. Just like the storm that God sent, God prepared this gourd. Sometimes God will prepare things in your lives in order to get you to see something that you don't see. Everything that happens in your life, some of the attitudes that you run into with people on your committee is God trying to show you you. Boy, I ain't going to get no amens at all. I remember Pastor Sam used to say that, that what, what's on the outside only reveals what's on the And sometimes God will allow some people to come out the mouth a little sideways because you don't recognize you got an attitude problem. Boy, the amens now went down. Uh, uh, God will allow some people to come to the meeting late and you like to be on time because God wants you to know that your own timeness is not holy before him either. And it says that God prepared a gourd. A gourd is, a, is some type of plant. We don't know what type of plant it was. Some say it's a castor oil plant. We don't really know what it is. But it's some type of plant that grew big and it provided shade to Jonah there. Do you see that there in verse 6? It shaded him over his head from his grief. It was very hot there. And it, it was a lot going on. And Jonah was hot and he was looking for relief. And so you notice God showed him grace. I want you to see what's happening. See, God didn't have to give that to him. God owed Jonah nothing. But here he is suffering. He's in pain. He's in grief. And God prepares a call, this gourd to come up and to save him and to, and to release him from some of the pain that was on him. How many of you know that the Bible says, and when he did that, notice what it says, and Jonah was exceedingly glad. Do you see that in the text? He, he was exceedingly happy. Now, when God is blessing me, when God is giving me cover, when God is giving me grace, he's exceedingly happy. But then you notice in the next verse, verse 7, but God prepared. Now, the worm did just come. It says that God prepared a worm, and the worm came up the next morning, and it says when he got up the next morning, he prepared, listen, he prepared a vehement wind and the Son, do you see that? These things aren't just happening. God is setting them up. He's preparing them because he wants Jonah to see what's going on. It says, and it began to beat on the head of Jonah to the point where he fainted and wished within himself that he would just die. Have you noticed that he was just exceedingly happy and now he wants to die? See, as long as the grace was on him, he was happy and everything was going good. So have you ever noticed that we all love grace for ourselves, but when it comes to our enemy, we don't want them to get no grace? 
God, forgive me. God, help me. God, you understand me. God, when I mess up, you know, go ahead and give me grace. But when it comes to our enemies, God, go ahead and destroy them. They deserve what they get. Come on, somebody. Some of us know that we've been out there doing some stuff, and we all looking for God's grace. But for some reason, when it comes to people we don't like, we want him to destroy them. When I lose my temper with my husband, God give me grace. When President Trump get out there and act like a jack. Come on, what, what, what do we want? God destroy him. God take him out. God do all this. But see, you got to remember, we talked about this in a message or two before. Every, every finger you got pointing out at somebody else, you got at least 10 of them pointing back at you. We're all guilty of the same stuff. God says that why are you judging somebody else when you're guilty of the same stuff? You're in need of the same grace that you're talking about everybody else about. Watch this. And the Bible says at the end, he says that he came back to him again. You see it there? He says that he came back to him again. He says, hey, Jonah, are you still angry? Do you see that there? I'm paraphrasing in verse 9 or 10 or whichever one it is. He comes back to him. He said, hey, Jonah, uh, after, he's, after he's blessed him and Jonah was happy and after he's taken it away from him, he comes back to him and says, hey, Jonah, man, you still angry? He says, uh, he said, Jonah, now notice, notice the question changes a little bit. He says, Jonah, um, uh, is it right for you to be angry about the gourd? Do you see that there? Y'all got your Bibles? Am, am I just talking to myself? He, he says, Jonah, is it right for you in verse uh, 9? He says, in verse 9, doeth thou well to be angry for the gourd? Do you see that? See, the Bible says that when Jonah took away the plant that was covering him, that he was angry about the gourd. And Jonah says, yeah, it's right for me to be angry, even to the point of death. And I want you to notice what it says there in verse 10. God responds to him by saying, now, you have had pity on the gourd. You, <laughs> you didn't plant the gourd, the plant. You didn't water it. Um, you didn't till the ground. Um, you didn't do anything for this plant. The plant came up one night and it died one night. Uh, you didn't have anything to do with this plant. And when the plant died, you had pity on the plant. But then God says, should I not have pity and compassion on this city that's about to be destroyed that has over 120,000 souls in it? In other words, Jonah, you are so concerned about a thing that you've forgotten about the people. Come on, somebody. See, and that's one of the lessons as we conclude this book is that God doesn't want us to be so concerned about a thing to where you forget about the people. Jonah had compassion and pity for the plant, but yet he had nothing for the people who were getting ready to die. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you can be so concerned about a thing to where you forget about the bigger and more important thing to people. Come on, somebody. You can be so tied up in building a church to where you forget about the people in the church. You can be so tied up in your program till you forget about the people that your program is supposed to be serving. 
Come on. You can be so tied up in the clothes that somebody got on to where you forget about that it's the person that's more important than the clothes that the person got on. Come on, somebody. You can be so tied up with the young person coming in with the pants hanging down or whatever it is, cap on, to where you forget about that you're supposed to be ministering to the person. The clothes really don't matter. And God says, don't be overly concerned about the thing. Don't forget about the person. You can be so concerned about the music that they're listening to until you forget about the soul of the person that may be dying and going to hell. And he says, don't be so concerned about the thing to where you forget about the person. Listen. But the last thing I'm going to leave you with here is Jonah, even at the end of this book, if you read it, the Bible never says that Jonah learned anything. If, if you look at the end when God spoke to him, there is no resolution. Jonah never responds. And do you know why? See, one of the reasons why Jonah missed the whole thing. Listen, the whole reason why he got in trouble is something that all of us are guilty of, and it'll destroy your future. The reason why Jonah got in problem was he got offended. Watch this. The reason why all this occurred was Jonah got offended at the people of Nineveh. Y'all know what it means to be offended, right? When somebody does something to you, uh, they irritate you, they say something you don't like, they do something you don't like, uh, they aggravate you, whatever the scenario is. See, Jonah got offended at the people of Nineveh, and he never let it go. Watch this. And some of us in here are offended at some people, and you don't recognize it, but it's choking you from doing everything that God would have you to do. See, and if you're going to do your calling, see, see, Jonah never let it go. No matter what happened, he wanted God to destroy him because as far as he was concerned, he didn't like these people. I hate these people. And God is saying, I'm the God that judges them, and I've given them grace. Why won't you? And some of us in here, you got some things against some people, and you just won't let it go. Listen, some of you in here don't even go to church. You know why? Because somebody said something to you in the church or did something to you in the church and it hurt you and you're not letting it go. You know one thing that I find out? There, I know I, know I got to get rid of clothes, but there is, there is nothing like church hurt. You know, the people that have hurt me the most have been people inside the church. You know why? Because you, you didn't expect them to hurt you. You know what I mean? You let your guard down. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're supposed to be the mother of the church, and you coming out your mouth sideways at me talking about my dress. Not my dress, my pants or whatever it is. Come on now. Wait a minute now. Y'all know that's the truth? Some people will not come to church at all because when they come into church, they've experienced hurt. They came in expecting relief, and then the church folk was the main ones, and they're talking about them. Rather than being concerned about the person's soul, we got concerned about the cap they were wearing. And God says, 
That's wrong. See, some of us are holding on to some stuff. I've had some people do some things to me. Listen, and when that hurt get inside of you, you be like Jonah. You carry around in anger. And whenever God tells you to do something, you don't recognize it, but it's blocking you from doing anything that God tells you to do. Watch this. And, and the person who hurt you is going on with their life. And, and you're the one who's offended. You're the one sitting there in your chair not doing what God assigned you to do. You're the one missing out on your blessing. You're the one who's missing out on your eternal rewards. Because somebody hurt you and you won't let it go. Listen, and here's the thing. Remember this. L- l- let, me, let, me, let me close with this. See, the thing that God told me to tell you to do, you got to learn to forgive. Look at your neighbor and say forgive. Look at your neighbor, tell him, forgive again. Listen. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We'll close with this. Matthew chapter 18. See, man, the church is bound with unforgiveness. You got people come in every day who are jumping and shouting during the worship and just as bound as can be. Watch this. And you know what I found is that people who are not in the church know it. Man, see, that, that's one thing I've learned about people who you say ain't saved. They know a phony. And they know you're not as spiritual as you're trying to act. They saw you when you was getting out your car and one speaking to each other. On somebody, and that that offense will keep you bound. And God came to tell me, told me to tell you this morning that you got to let it go. Listen, I got so many great things for you to do. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard all the things that I have planned. But if you keep holding on like Jonah, man, that thing going to hold you back. Matthew chapter 18. Look there at verse 22. Listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said unto him, he's talking about forgiveness here. And he says, I do not say to you to forgive up to seven times, but unto 70 times seven. You say 490 times. Listen, don't try to forgive somebody 490 times. You're missing the point. He ain't saying to give them 490 times. He's just trying to tell you there is no number. Listen, if you remember 490 times, 487, 489, you got a real problem. Like, you just really got a problem. If you remember that many, something going on. Notice what he says. He says, Jesus says, forgiveness is a way of life. When a person offends you, you have to let it go. See, in church hurt, church hurt is one of those things that you just hold on to and you don't want to let it go. It was the pastor. Of course he shouldn't have did it. Listen, and that pastor is going to stand before God and give an account for whatever it is that he did. You don't have to get him. That usher, that deacon, whoever it was that spoke to you when you walked in sideways, talking about you, speaking about you underneath their voice, they will stand before God and give an account. 
But don't let them stop you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. Some of you are really, really, really anointed. And you're allowing hurt to stop you from doing what you need to do. Notice what Jesus says. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven or my kingdom is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of money. But as he was what? Not able to pay. Don't miss the bigger point of what Jesus is saying here. You know, Jesus is an expert at giving analogies. He's talking about someone who owed him something and they could not pay it. Notice what he says. His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and that payment be made. That is what he deserved. He owed a debt. He was supposed to pay the debt. He couldn't pay the debt. So he was old. He was sold everything he had, wife, children, everything. But notice verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the dead. Listen to what Jesus is saying. See, some of you are holding stuff on to people who hurt you, and Christ said, but I forgave you. What about all the junk that you did for me? See, and that's the thing that annoys me to know in sometimes inside the church, because we forget about all the stuff that God has done for us. Man, listen, we had a youth class back there with the young people back there in the class. And, you know, when you're talking about music and hip hop and different things in the music, they expect you to judge them. Watch this. And the whole time I'm in the class, see, see, I've been teaching you. all It's not about preaching at people. It's discipling. You miss it. If you go at people just preaching at them, oh, your music is wrong. Your music is wrong. You need to change that. So forth, so forth, so forth. All you do is put up defense system. They, they fighting you back. Watch this. We got in class, started talking about the music. And how many of you know the way you diffuse a situation is you just ask questions? Greg, you was in there. All you got to do is just ask questions. So um, let me ask you, is it good for a Christian uh, uh, audience or, or a secular artist to come into church and, and to perform? Oh, well, no, Pastor. I don't, I don't think that's right right now. Why? Um, well, because it's confusing, you know what I mean? Because you got a, you know, a secular artist that's outside and then they come into church. That shouldn't be. Watch that. I said, okay, so can I ask you a question? If you are a Christian, is it good for you to have in your CD player and everything um, that same secular artist? Greg, you remember the, the thing started turning. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not judging you now. I'm not judging you because remember, I'm not your judge, right? When I was your age, I did the same thing. I was crunk up to breaking it down too. I wanted to do all the same thing. Our, our, how many, y'all tell the truth. Our, 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 our artists change. Who we listen to change. But see, the same attitude is there. See, and, and some of them kind of got offended because they thought the presenter was judging and condemning them. See, and here's the thing. When you start condemning people, you put yourself and the problem is none of us are I promise you, 
the most spiritual person in there. You could be Betty Baker up in there, walking around in the anointing 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Oh, you're just holy and anointed, walking around every. And I guarantee you, someday going to be a bad day. Someday, Freddie Baker going to leave something on that counter. And it's going to be some heated fellowship. <laughs> what am I saying? Listen, as a church, as a church, remember, your, our job is not to condemn people because you're not a judge. Listen, you can, you can teach the word of God without me condemning you. See, the word of God does it itself. All you got to do is do the word. We got in there talking about the word of God. You remember, Greg, you, you didn't have to condemn anybody. I had them walking out of class, walking back in. Well, Pastor, what do you think about this? And Pastor, what do you think about that? And Pastor, do we do this? I say, listen, man, I can't be your conscience. Here's the thing. You just begin to pray about it, and the closer you get to God, he'll let you know whether or not that music is right for you. Okay, Pastor, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray on it. But you don't got to be nobody's judge. Watch this. Let me, let me, let me close. Let me close. Let me close. Verse 28, notice what he says. But that servant went out. We know the story. The servant went out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a much smaller amount, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. His fellow servant fell down, did the same thing at his feet, begged, saying, Have patience on me, I'll pay you all. But he would not. He was still holding on. He would not let it go. And when he would not let it go, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved, came and told their master all that he had done. Jesus Christ sees everything. Then his master, after he had called to him, said to him, you wicked servant. Why? I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. There are some people who have offended you in the church or whatever the scenario is, and Jesus says, in as much as I have forgiven you, you got to learn to forgive them. Why? And his master was very angry, and look at what he did. Because he would not forgive, he delivered him to the what? Can I ask you a question? That's what happened to Jonah. Jonah literally was tormented. He was angry. If it take a belly of the well experience to get you to change, you tormented, Doc. Delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was owed, which he wasn't going to never pay in the first place. Now, this was the thing that you need to see. Verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart, what, does not. Remember this. When you hold on to that fence or whatever it, it is that they've done, see, you releasing it has nothing to do with the other person. It's, it has everything to do with you. You're the one not serving you're the one walking into church with that attitude all puffy and stink all the time. Come on. 
You the one walking on your job, uh, look like you're bitter, ain't got no joy, ain't got no rejoicing in you or nothing. It's not hurting anybody else. You the one getting all the health effects in your body. Listen, and God says, I came to set you free. Bow your heads. Today is a day you let it go.